Not in me. Set. So anyway, we're doing this uh, review analysis. That for many reasons, but one of them is cause you to open your eyes as an American citizen and see what actually. In uh, part seven, we talk very heavily about the economy and things that we did to Russia and tried to squeeze them and sanction them. You know, the whole thing that we did has backfired against us. Has backfired against us a lot. I think, I think as Putin started to see that Tucker wasn't going to ask him the, the decent questions that he should, he just started to spill the beans. We're drawn down to the, to the end of this, to the end of this interview. But he's just he's just dropping, dropping mics, dropping bombs, every every chance he can get. So let's continue on. We're going to look at uh, Dr. Cross. And in order to assess them and change policies, we need people who think, look forward can analyze and recommend certain decisions at the level of political leaders. I just have to ask, you've said clearly that NATO expansion <coughs> eastward is a violation of the promise you all were made in 1990. <coughs> it, it's a threat to your country. Right before you sent troops into Ukraine, the Vice President of the United States went to the Munich Security Conference and encouraged the President of Ukraine to join NATO. Do you think that was an effort to provoke you into military action? Мы просто, я еще раз повторяю, мы многократно, многократно предлагали... I repeat once again, we have repeatedly, repeatedly proposed to seek a solution to the problems that arose in Ukraine after 2014 coup d'etat through peaceful means. But no one listened to us. And moreover, the Ukrainian leaders who were under the complete U.S. control suddenly declared that they would not comply with the Minsk agreements. <laughs> so, Tucker Carlson, to your dumb question, yes, they were trying to provoke Russia into doing something new. Yes, Tucker. But here, you listen to Putin, and what he's saying is, you guys have been provoking us since 2014. You've been, you've been doing this since 2014, and you won't stop. You're continuously pushing us over the edge, pushing us into a place where we have to defend ourselves. We have to defend our people. And we're going to do it. They disliked everything there and continued military activity in that territory. And in parallel, that territory was being exploited by NATO military structures under the guise of various personnel training and retraining centers. They essentially began to create bases there, that's all. Ukraine announced that the Russians were a non-titular nationality while passing the laws that limit the rights of non-titular nationalities in Ukraine. Ukraine, having received all these southeastern territories as a gift from the Russian people, suddenly announced that the Russians were a non-titular nationality in that territory. So here you go. Russia gave them that name as gifts. Now, 
Ukrainians are saying, you're not important. You're not important in what you're doing. Your people are important. We're ultimately important. And we're going to start attacking your culture. Wouldn't you get upset if they did this? You're biting the hand that's feeding you. You're smacking the hand that's feeding you. And making you the country that you are. It's there standing by your side supporting you. You're like, nope, I don't want that. I can't deal with that. I'm just going to do my own thing. Is that normal? No, it's not. All this put together led to the decision to end the war that neo-Nazis started in Ukraine in 2014. Back to the neo-Nazis. Do you, do you think Zelensky has the freedom to negotiate a settlement <clears throat> to this conflict? Tucker, who, who, who's holding him back? The United States is holding him back. You know the answer to the question. You know that you know the United States has told him don't negotiate. You know this. What kind of question is this? I don't know the details. Of course, it's difficult for me to judge. But I believe he has, in any case, he used to have. His father fought against the fascists, Nazis, during World War II. Wow. I once talked to him about this. I said, Volodya, what are you doing? Why are you supporting neo-Nazis in Ukraine today, while your father fought against fascism? Come on. He was a frontline soldier. I will not tell you what he answered, this is a separate topic, and I think it's incorrect for me to do so. But as to the freedom of choice, why not? He came to power on the expectations of Ukrainian people that he would lead Ukraine to peace. Yes. He talked about this. Yes. It was thanks to this that he won the elections overwhelmingly. Yes. But then, when he came to power, in my opinion, he realized two things. Firstly, it is better not to clash with neo-Nazis and nationalists, because they are aggressive and very active. You can expect anything from them. And secondly, the US-led West supports them and will always support those who antagonize with Russia. It you hear that? We support the neo-Nazi groups that we said we would fight against. We support the anti-Semitic groups that we said we would fight against. He's dropping, dropping bombs, dropping bombs. It is beneficial and safe. So he took the relevant position despite promising his people to end the war in Ukraine. He deceived his voters. But do you think at this point, as of February 2024, he has the latitude, the freedom to speak with you or your government directly about putting an end to this, which clearly isn't helping his country or the world? Can he do that, do you think? <sighs> Why not? He considers himself head of state. He won the elections. Although we believe in Russia that the coup d'etat is the primary source of power for everything that happened after 2014. And in this sense, even today government is flawed. But he considers himself the president and he is recognized by the United States, all of Europe and practically the rest of the world in such a capacity. Why not? He can. We negotiated with Ukraine in Istanbul. We agreed. He was aware of this. Moreover, the negotiation group leader 
Mr. Arachamiya is his last name, I believe still heads the faction of the ruling party, the party of the president in the Rada. He still heads the presidential faction in the Rada, the country's parliament. He still sits there. He even put his preliminary signature on the document I am telling you about. But then he publicly stated to the whole world, we were ready to sign this document, but Mr. Johnson, then the Prime Minister of Great Britain, came and dissuaded us from doing this, saying it was better to fight Russia. They would give everything needed for us to return what was lost during the clashes with Russia. And we agreed with this proposal. Look, his statement has been published, he said it publicly. Can they return to this? So, so what's, what's Tucker grinning for? What, what's, what's the grin for, Mr. Carlson? I, I don't understand. This man is telling you what has been happening, very plainly, very clearly. The United States is telling Ukraine to keep doing this. England is telling Ukraine to keep doing this. Is because as long as you fight Russia, we're going to support you. We're going to back you. What I don't understand, and I want somebody to tell me, is why do we hate Russia so much? What has Russia done to us other than be an ally? They should be as great an ally as Israel is. If you look at the contributions that they have made to society as a whole, both world wars, the things that they're doing with their, with their economies. Why do we consider them such an enemy? Something, something's not right with this. We, we need to get to the bottom of this pretty quickly. Or not. The question is, do they want it or not? Further on. President of Ukraine issued a decree prohibiting negotiations with us. Let him cancel that decree, and that's it. We have never refused negotiations, indeed. We hear all the time, is Russia ready? Yes, we have not refused. It was them who publicly refused. Yes. Well, let him cancel his decree and enter into negotiations. Yes. We have never refused. And the fact that they obeyed the demand or persuasion of Mr. Johnson, the former Prime Minister of Great Britain, seems ridiculous and very sad to me. Because, as Mr. Arakamiya put it, we could have stopped those hostilities with war a year and a half ago already. But the British persuaded us and we refused this. Where is Mr. Johnson now? And the war continues. That's a good question. Where do you think he is and why did he do that? Hell knows. I don't understand it myself. <laughs> there was a general starting point. For some reason, Everyone had the illusion that Russia could be defeated on the battlefield. Because of arrogance, because of a pure heart, yes. but not because of a great mind. You've described uh, the connection between Russia and Ukraine. You've described Russia itself a couple of times as orthodox. That's central to your understanding of Russia. You said you're orthodox. What does that mean in, for you? You're a Christian leader. Listen, listen, listen to what he says. 
and, and look at the surprise on Tucker Carlson's face. Like, you're, you're not a Christian. There's no way you could be a Christian. Listen. By your own description. So what effect does that have on you? Uh, um, you know, as I already mentioned in 988, Prince Vladimir himself was baptized following the example of his grandmother, Princess Olga, and then he baptized his squad, and then gradually over the course of several years he baptized all the Rus. It was a lengthy process, from pagans to Christians. It took many years. But in the end, this orthodoxy, Eastern Christianity, deeply rooted itself in the consciousness of the Russian people. When Russia expanded and absorbed other nations who profess Islam, Buddhism and Judaism, Russia has always been very loyal to those people who profess other religions. This is her strength. So I want you to... Uh, oh, oh. This, this, this is mind-blowing. Because look at what he's saying. Since 900... Russia has been a Christian country. When Russia expanded their territories and took over the other nations, they still remained a Christian country, a Christian nation, but they absorbed these other religions into their nation. How's that any different than what the United States has done? We came here, we took over the, the, the Native American Indians, Oh, 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 I'm not going to belabor this, but I really, I really, really want you to listen because he said something that that's a key to why we're fighting this battle that we're, it shouldn't be two Christian nations fighting against each other. Why is Christian United States fighting against Christian Russia? Why? Somebody tell me, please. I, I want to know why. Yes, Russia messed up. Russia done things. United States has messed up. United States has done things. Why can't two brothers in Christ, under Christ, get together? We're missing something. This is absolutely clear. And the fact is that the main postulates, main values are very similar, not to say the same, in all world religions I've just mentioned, and which are the traditional religions of the Russian Federation, Russia. By the way, Russian authorities were always very careful about the culture and religion of those people who came into the Russian Empire. This, in my opinion, forms the basis of both security and stability of the Russian statehood. All the peoples inhabiting Russia basically consider it their motherhood. If, say, people move over to you or to Europe from Latin America, an even clearer and more understandable example, people come but yet they have come to you or to European countries from their historical homeland. And people who profess different religions in Russia consider Russia their motherland. They have no other motherland. We are together, this is one big family, and our traditional values are very similar. 
I've just mentioned one big family, but everyone has his, her own family. And this is the basis of our society. And if we say that the motherland and the family are specifically connected with each other, it is indeed the case, since it is impossible to ensure a normal future for our children and our families unless we ensure a normal, sustainable future for the entire country, for the motherland. That is why patriotic sentiment is so strong in Russia. But can I, can I say that the, the one way in which the religions are different is that Christianity is specifically a non-violent religion. Jesus says, turn the other cheek, don't kill. How can a leader who has to kill of any country, how can a leader be a Christian? How do you reconcile that? So, Mr. Carlson, if you would read your Bible, you would see that Jesus taught us to carry swords. He told the disciples at one point in time to turn the other cheek, but in another season he told them to carry swords. You, 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 you're mixing two different things and you're trying to apply this to Russia. You're trying to make Russia look like they're evil and bad because they have to defend themselves against aggressors, people who are trying to take over their country. When we, the United States, have done the very same things ourselves. So, so, so are we, we not Christians because we send our, our sons and daughters to war? Are we not Christians because we have to fight and kill? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Where are you going with this, Tucker? To yourself. It is very easy when it comes to protecting oneself and one's family, one's homeland. We won't attack anyone. Yes. When did the developments in Ukraine start? Since the coup d'etat and the hostilities in Donbas began, that's when they started. Yes. And we're protecting our people, ourselves, our homeland and our future. As for religion in general, you know, it's not about external manifestations. It's not about going to church every day or banging your head on the floor. <laughs> it is in the heart. And our culture is so human-oriented. Dostoevsky, who was very well known in the West and the genius of Russian culture, Russian literature, spoke a lot about this, about the Russian soul. After all, Western society is more pragmatic. Russian people think more about the eternal, about moral values. I don't know, maybe... Doesn't that sound strange to hear him say? But they think more about the eternal and moral values. How far have we fallen as a country? You won't agree with me, but Western culture is more pragmatic after all. I'm not saying this is bad. It makes it possible for today's golden billion to achieve good success in production, even in science and so on. 
There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that we kind of look the same. So, so do you see the supernatural at work as you look out across what's happening in the world now? Do you see God at work? Do you ever think to yourself, these are forces that are not human? No, to be honest, I don't think so. My opinion is that the development of the world community is in accordance with the inherent laws, and those laws are what they are. It's always been this way in the history of mankind. Some nations and countries rose, became stronger and more numerous, and then left the international stage, losing the status they had accustomed to. There's probably no need for me to give examples, but we could start with the Genghis Khan and Horde conquerors, the Golden Horde, and then end with the Roman Empire. It seems that there has never been anything like the Roman Empire in the history of mankind. Nevertheless, the potential of the barbarians gradually grew, as yes. did their population. Yes. In general, the barbarians were getting stronger and begun to develop economically, as we would say today. This eventually led to the collapse of the Roman Empire and the regime imposed by the Romans. However, it took five centuries for the Roman Empire to fall apart. The difference with what is happening now is that all the processes of change are happening at the much faster pace than in Roman times. Yes, they are. So when does the AI empire start, do you think? <laughs> Tucker. You, you, you once again prove that you're not involved and engaged in this conversation. Where did artificial intelligence come? And see, this is, again, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this analysis, I'm giving you this breakdown, because I want you to be able to see how unprepared Mr. Carlson was, but also how much information Vladimir Putin gave and presented to the entire world and giving you his motivations, giving you his understanding of what's been going on within their country, how his country's been attacked by our country, how our country is using things against them that are really backfiring against us and causing us to be in a, in a, in a poor place. You know, I, I like how President Putin gave his description about the religion and how they're they're trying to be a moral, upright people just like we are. And these things that, are, that have been going on have been going on for centuries. It's not new that in, in Russia really just wants to be a part of us. They just want to be a part. They want to be able to play. And, you know, I think this speaks for itself when you look at the amount of history, the amount of information that Vladimir Putin has pulled out, I honestly wish I think this speaks for itself and the amount of information that Vladimir Putin pulled out 
I honestly wish Tucker would have done a better job. This is Christopher Radiant Fire Radio, and I thank you for listening to this segment of this analysis of Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin. It has been very, very insightful and instructional. We are getting ready to go and uh, start recording the last and the final phase of this interview. Join us in the next segment. We're committed to excellence and truth as we conduct spiritual overwatch for your soul. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. Simple truths, given with intellectual integrity, far better than Fox News and CNN combined. Please feel free to contact us with questions, comments, concerns at ChristopherRadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio and more. Until next time. That was your Overwatch, Einstein. You can thank him later.